You're tuning in to episode 124 right here on RNFM Radio. Well, hello everyone, and welcome to the latest episode here on RNFM Radio on the Pulse of Nursing. This is the leading platform for nurses, and we're thrilled to have you tune in for the latest news, trends, and hot topics with the leaders and thought provokers in our industry. Now, of course, if you're listening to this podcast, you're probably hanging out on rnfmradio.com. Now, of course, we can also be found on pretty much every social media platform that you can imagine. That would be YouTube, Twitter, Google Plus, Facebook, and we're hanging out under at RNFM Radio and under the hashtag RNFM Radio. Now, if you're not listening to us on RNFMRadio.com, then you must be listening to us either on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, TuneIn Radio, or you must be over there at the ProMed Network at ProMedNetwork.com forward slash RNFM Radio. We, of course, are everywhere you want to be. Now, I'm Kevin Ross. I'm here in my studio in Colorado. My fellow co-host, Keith Carlson, here from New Mexico. Always a pleasure to be here with him. And we want to welcome him to the show. So please welcome Keith to the show. Keith, how are you doing today, sir? Well, thanks, Kevin. Everything's going great down here in Santa Fe. It is a beautiful day, and I'm so excited to be back. And today, we are introducing... A nurse author of whom I have become exceedingly fond. Her name is Margaret Hawk, and her nursing career has encompassed all aspects of elder care. She began as a staff nurse, then as a director of nursing, a nursing home administrator, and then a consultant. She was also a contributing writer for Nurse.com, which was formerly known as Nursing Spectrum, a Gannett syndicated magazine for nurses, and she worked there from 1992 through 2006. She wrote feature articles for all editions across the United States, and after retiring, she wrote and published her first novel, Bellhaven. She's currently working on the first of what she hopes will be a mystery series, with the protagonist of that series being a travel nurse. So, Margaret Hawk, it is such a delight to welcome you to RNFM Radio. Well, it's wonderful to be here, Keith. Wonderful. Oh, well, thank you. It's, it's just wonderful to have you here with us. And it was, I have to say, a delight to read Bellhaven. I read it a number of months ago and reviewed it on my, uh, my blog back in, oh my gosh, that was back in May of 2014. Yes, and yes. And you and I spoke on the phone once, and I've just been excited about the reactions I've been reading to Bellhaven. So let's work from, let's go back first. And want to tell us a little bit about your nursing career and how you came to really have this keen interest in elders and elder care. How did that come about? Okay, well, basically, I, when I graduated in the early 60s, 1960s, and from a diploma program in Trenton, New Jersey, uh, then I worked for two years on a med surge unit. Then I started my, got married and started my family. And of course, in those days, there were not a lot of options for part-time or daycare or any kind of assistance so that nurses could continue to work. So I took a 10-year sabbatical. And then I wanted to return to nursing very much, but my options were still limited. My, we had one car. My husband 
was a pharmacist, worked in a pharmacy. And so we had to juggle and find a part-time night position close enough for me to leave around 10.30 to get to work. So I found a local nursing home and that's where I began. And what I'd like to say is that I don't know that I chose nursing uh, the elder uh, elders. I think it chose me because once I started, I, I really fell in love and I felt a calling to care for older adults. And so I like to think that it shows me. Oh, that's great. And you know, a lot of nurses say that. They say that nursing shows them and then sometimes they say their specialty shows them. So it sounds yes. like that your interest in elders just kind of took over and your career pretty much focused on elder care for yes, the majority it did. of it. It right? did. It, later on, when when our children were old enough that I could then take a day position, I remained with elder care. I did change facilities. I returned to school for my BSN in my early 40s. And then I went for a master's in counseling and gerontology. By that time, I was a director of nursing. I see. So it's very interesting then that you decided to write Bellhaven, which is this beautiful book about a nurse in the 1960s in the Pine Barrens of New Jersey, which is a fairly, what would you say, rural area of New Jersey. Oh, very, very. Yeah. And she's working in this former, what would you say, turn of the century estate house that's in yes. disrepair. And it's actually a nursing home. And yes. she falls into this job at the nursing home. And the book is all about her adventures, trying to work her way back into this, the, into the profession, but also dealing with the old ways of looking at medicine and nursing and the new ways that are coming to the fore during the 60s. So how did your nursing career and your experiences therein influence your decision to write the book the way you did? Well, I, I did work in a nursing home that was also turn of the century. That's where I became a director of nursing. And we had big open wards with 14 or 15 beds with the, the bathroom facilities at the end. And you could almost it had been a, a, a hospital for contagious diseases and then um, for TB mainly in the early 1900s. And then, of course, when the advances came and TB was no longer the threat that it had been early on, uh, they didn't know what to do with this building. It was a county facility, and it was actually called hospital, not, not nursing facility. And so they turned it into a nursing facility. And you could almost hear the whisper of the people that had been there in, the in one of the lobbies. There were several buildings there. There was actually still a, an old-fashioned iron lung, and, and I often felt I could hear whispers of people that had lived there. Wow. In the earlier years. So I didn't want to make it exactly the same, but I also all my life have been intrigued by the New Jersey Pine Barrens, which are very peculiar to New Jersey. That's very true. I grew up in New Jersey and we would go to the Pine Barrens, so I'm quite familiar with it. Okay. Not as familiar as you are, uh, but it is an area of mystique. They used to talk about the Jersey Devil, who is this kind yes. of Bigfoot <laughs> character who was said to wander through the through the Pine Barrens and, you know, it, it, it's an interesting part of the New Jersey mythology yes. and cause it's this sandy beach, like, um, hot, dusty, um, 
um, pine forest, which is very mysterious in many ways. So I think setting Bellhaven there was beautiful. And I'm just curious, as an aside, I'm looking at the illustration on the front of the book. And was that illustration based on where you worked or was it something an illustrator helped you create? Actually, it was an illustrator in Tampa, Florida. We never personally spoke, spoke. We did it all over the internet. And what I did is I sent her chapters. And in chapter four, the beginning of chapter four describes the building. So it is a mythical building. It's not a building like any building I've ever been to. However, I've had so many people who have looked at the cover and said, I know just where that is. I have, I've had people name the town where it is, the facility that it, that it represents, which of course is, is not so. So it was really a, a building of my, of my imagination mm. set in the pines. Well, I love that because the book cover really captures the sense of the, of the story and of the facility as it's described in the, within the story itself. So I love that because it, it gives you a perfect feeling when you look at it. It's a slightly decrepit old building, very interesting, looks almost like a haunted house. And you can see that it says Bellhaven on the, um, the on the sign, but a couple of the letters have fallen off. So it gives you that sense of um, disrepair just at first glance. Neglect. Neglect, right. Disrepair yes. and maybe benign neglect, we could say. Yes. So I wanted to ask you, you've worked in nursing for many, many years. It sounds like more than 40 years. So you've seen the 60s, the 70s, the 80s, the 90s, etc. What made you choose the mid-60s as the time period for this book? I'm just curious. Yes. I, 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 go ahead. No, please. I, I was I, born in the mid-60s, so I'm very curious what was <laughs> happening and why it captured your imagination so keenly. That was a very, that to me, that was a very meaningful a period in the history of, of our country. There were so many things that were happening at the same time. Uh, women's lib was, was being born. The civil rights movement was advancing. The Vietnam War, all of those things came together. And another thing that really rocked our world, I was young and, and married, young married woman at the time. One of the things that really rocked our world was the assassination of President Kennedy. Now, I didn't put that in the book, but I, I just felt that the mid-60s really created a lot of the changes that have then created other changes that have come along in later years. And I thought it would be a very rich backdrop for the story. Oh, I love that. Now, in terms of the protagonist, she's a woman who is a nurse and she's been out of nursing for a while because she was raising children and her husband was a fisherman. And I'm curious, she as a character is somewhat out of touch with what's happening in the wider culture? Yes. And I'm wondering what led you to create a character who was out of touch and what that meant to you in terms of her relationship to the nursing profession and what was happening at the time for women. I think basically, particularly in the 60s, we didn't have all the media that we have today. Now, today, the instant something happens, or maybe while it's happening, we we experience it, even though we're experiencing it um, at a distance. But I think in the 60s, uh, you were very young then, but there was limited television coverage. 
And most of us experience the world, uh, world events at a distance, but it's, they all still affected us. And at the time, I don't think people realized how much they were being affected. And for her, I think she was very much affected by all of the events that were taking place, but she was at a distance. She wasn't in any of those events up front. I think most of us, even today, experience world events at a distance. I mean, you look at the television and you see people in a war, but we're at a distance. So I think the majority of people in life are really not right in the thick of things. They're, they're at a distance. But nevertheless, all those events affect us. And so I felt that was a very realistic portrayal of an individual at that time. I think so. And also, there's there's a lot in the book about gender roles, because her husband is sort of a man's man. He's a fisherman. He's injured and his boat sinks, et cetera, et cetera. And he can't work anymore. So the protagonist, Kate Banyan, actually has to take on earning money for the family. She has to deal to a great extent throughout the book with the emotional... Um, the price she has to pay for being a breadwinner because her yes. husband feels basically emasculated by the fact that she's bringing home the bacon at this time. And he feels that his role has been diminished by not being able to work and bring home any money at all. So she's dealing with the changes at the nursing home and the changes she's perceiving in medicine and nursing. She's also dealing with the fact that she has to struggle alongside her husband and sometimes against her husband in terms of his his disappointment in, its, in himself not being able to earn money and having to rely on her. So w did you know women at that period of time who were experiencing similar struggles? Yes, I did. I did. And actually, for me, I returned to work to help our family. So what I did is I took my personal experience of being of my husband embracing it. And I said, what if I had a person had to go back to work? and then found that their, their spouse was not happy with that decision. And so I wanted to explore what happens when a woman must, must needed to work at, during that time frame, and the traditional roles had to be altered. And so I, that's why I chose that. And the other thing is uh, Joe, the husband, actually has post-traumatic stress disorder, which of course was not diagnosed in those days and of course she has to struggle with that without having any sense of what is happening in his life so she's struggling with working and all those changes but she's also struggling to resolve her relationship with her husband who is who is actually suffering from PTSD which of course wasn't something recognized in the 60s but I do believe that it, that it occurred then as well as it does now exactly and you know, the book would have been a wonderful story if it was just about Kate working at this decrepit nursing home and dealing with the, the old guard nurses and trying to figure out how to find her way. But what I like about the book specifically is the, the layering on top of the cultural phenomenon and the cultural sea change that was happening all around her. So the context of the book, I think, is what makes it so fascinating because you have her her relationship with her husband is part of the dynamic tension of the book. Yes. But then you also have the whole 
other adventure that she's going through in terms of figuring out how to work at this nursing home and not lose her mind. So that's, I love the, that double plot line, which is, they're quite intertwined. They're, they're not separate from one another, but they're quite distinct in a way because they're dealing with similar but different issues. And I really, really appreciated that. Well, thank you. Sure. And I wanted to ask you, what would you say in terms of the book and the collision between those old ways of nursing and medical practice and the new ways that were colliding at that time? And that's personified in the doctor who shows up in the midst of the story to take over as medical director. What were you trying to say about that particular change that was happening in medicine at the time? I think basically in that time frame, change was not quick. Nowadays, we, I think nurses are much more open to change. Everyone is because change is so quick. We learn so much so, so quickly. We learn new things all the time and, and we have all the media and all of the, um, the, the devices, the, the ability to get information. And I believe in those days that many things were almost uh, written in stone, so to say so that it wasn't easy to make changes. And I lived through those changes in particularly in, in nursing, nursing facilities. And I saw how difficult it was. And honestly, it was difficult for me initially. And, and, you know, everyone said, well, we can't do this. This is so alien to what we've been taught. And anyone who did have an idea was, it was not easy to promote change, to change, even change for the better. So I do think that, that that made it very difficult. The only thing that really uh, solved the issue was that when the change occurred and you could see that it was the change was good, then you, could, you became a believer. But I think it's much more open today. I think nurses are much more willing to, everyone is more willing to accept change, change in protocol, change in care. So I, I do think in that particular time frame, everything moved more slowly and it was much more difficult. That's true. And right now I've read some articles and I've written a little bit about this too, that right now we have, I guess you could say four generations more or less of nurses in the profession. And I guess that's true at any given time. You have the nurses who were in their 60s, 70s and 80s and who are on their way to retirement or actually in this economic climate, not all of them are on their way to retirement because <laughs> they have to keep working. Yes. And then you have the nurses who are of more of my generation who were in their 40s to 50s, who maybe grew up during the 70s. And then you have the younger ones, even down to the millennials who were born in the 1980s. And we all have very, very different expectations of our workplace. We have different expectations of relationships with coworkers and even of the way that nursing is practiced. So I think that generational difference is really interesting and, and authors like you are starting to explore how that impacts patient care and how we practice nursing on a day-to-day -day basis, right? You know, Keith, I think it's such a positive thing. And when I think back to the 60s, you really didn't have the broad spectrum of ages working as nurses. You really didn't. When, when I graduated, the, the trend was that nurses would, you know, of course, it was all female then, too. It was all women. 
it was it was generally ex an accepted thing, particularly with all the diploma school programs that nurse that a large class. There were 78 in my class. We would graduate. We would work until we had a family. Then we would leave the workforce. But by the time we left the workforce, the next graduating class came. And we had no what they call today mature students. Everyone was 18 years old when I went to nursing school. There was no one beyond that age. So it was a, a much more flat, a much more, um, what would be the word, a, a much more larger, the group was the same age or more or less. Now, of course, there were women that, that did manage to stay in nursing and progress, but they were not as it is now where you take the broad spectrum of ages. And I think it's a very positive, I think it's positive. I think it makes it exciting. I think it is exciting too. And I've read articles about how to promote that cross-generational communication and how we can learn from one another. Because if, if you're say a millennial nurse, you're maybe 20 years old, right out of school and you're working with a nurse who's 70 or 65, yes. that, yes. 70-year-old nurse who's really been around has a lot to teach you about what she's learned or he's learned over the years. But then that millennial nurse also has quite a bit to teach the older nurse in terms of using technology, different types of communication skills. There's so much to share. And I appreciate in the book how, you know, Kate is somewhat of a younger nurse. She's not very young, but she's, you know, she's barely middle-aged and she has two young children. And I like how she tries to bring in her fresh perspective. And it's interesting to read in the book how a lot of her little uh, innovations are, are meet resistance. And yes. she has to overcome that resistance trying to initiate very small but significant changes. Yes. So is there a, a passage from the book that you would be interested in reading to our audience? Oh. From the main road, Bellhaven loomed large and majestic. Kate turned into the lane leading to the sand-colored building. The estate structure looked more like a sun-kissed castle than a nursing home. Turrets accented each corner and stands of evergreens, almost as tall as the house, framed the building on two sides like towering bookends. As she drove closer, the peeling paint around the leaded windows, several of which were cracked, screamed of neglect. Once grand pillars surrounding the entranceway showed signs of major decay. Pigeons perched among the eaves. Even the sign by the front step had fallen into disrepair. The first L and the H were missing in Belhaven. She pulled the car around the circular driveway and passed the bronze Neptune fountain that was empty except for rotting leaves, parked the car, and checked her watch early. She took a deep breath and let it out slowly. A few minutes to compose herself would be a good thing. So that, that's the description of the building, if you can fit that in. Oh, of course, yes. And the book really goes into great detail in terms of Kate's relationship with the nursing director, with yes. the, the new doctor who comes in, and also deals with the issue of nurse and nurse's aid relationships. And she 
has a relationship with one of the nurse's aides that's fairly contentious, I guess you would say. Yes. <laughs> and she has to try to become more assertive and win over this nurse's aid because she knows that she can't accomplish her job without it, without this absolutely, person. Absolutely, absolutely. I think a lot of nurses out there can relate to this notion of, well, there's a nurse's aide here who's really surly and I have to try to win him or her over and figure out how we can work together. And I love the the arc of the story as she tries to make headway with this particular nurse's <laughs> aide. Uh, yes. Yeah. Have you ever had an experience in that way? Well, you know, it was very interesting to me because when I worked in the hospital, those brief two years that I worked upon graduation, at that time, there were no nursing assistants. There, in the hospital, in the acute care hospital, for instance, on the day shift, there would be six RNs. And we would, so we really didn't have to direct anyone we, we took our, and everyone was interested in what everyone else was doing. And if you had a problem, it was a whole team of people who all had the same commitment to what they were doing. So when I did go to a nursing facility, particularly when I went in the daytime and I really had to quote, supervise another person, it was very hard for me to ask someone to do, or even to direct uh, someone to do things that I had always done myself in the hospital. So that that was very difficult. And I do think that when you're the quote, the new kid on the block, particularly you're new in your in your position and you're dealing with someone who has possibly worked 20 years in, in their position, it's very important to show respect to them, to not come on too strong and to really kind of get a sense of, of who they are before you really can can gain their confidence so it, it there is an art to it that's a really great point there is an art to it and it's interesting you know back in the day decades and decades ago or even longer nurses were really more like the handmaidens of the doctor so absolutely the, the nurse would do the bed baths and all the things the doctor didn't want to do and as nursing science has advanced of course nurses have become more like practitioners. We're yes. medical providers, so we do need aids to do the things that we used to do. Some of us want to be able to do those hands-on things because we feel like we're losing touch. But at the same time, we also need to realize that in this day and age, we have to supervise other people who have to work underneath us on the hierarchy of the hospital or facility. So it is an interesting navigation that nurses have to do that wasn't the norm back in the day. Yes, it's very different. When I became a director of nursing, I wanted to set a good tone. And of course, as director of nursing, I was off all holidays. So I always chose a holiday, like usually I chose New Year's and I would go in and I would work, but I didn't work as a nurse. I worked as a nursing assistant. And so I would usually do the night shift. And of course, they they all, after a while, they really had fun with it. Like who's, quote, who, you know, they didn't say it to me, but who will get her tonight? Who will be the one who has to work with, with Margaret Hawk? But I, at the end of that eight hours, I am telling you that I had such respect because that is very hard work. And I think I think when when they realize that they are a valued member of the team, that goes a long way. That really uh, uh, does help. But I, I do think it, it is very hard uh, initially. That's very true, Margaret. And it's interesting 
that you would choose to do that, to walk in the other person's shoes. It's sort of like a, a nurse who decides to, or a doctor, to take a medication that a patient takes because they want to know what the side effects are like. Or someone who decides, yeah, I'm going to go work down in the cafeteria today because I want to know what it's like for those people who are working down there doing support for us. So it's good to be aware, especially as a director like you were, what it's like for, for those other employees. What's their story? How do their days go? So that's a wonderful thing. Thank you. Sure. And, and I wanted to ask you, what is it that you feel is important in terms of fictional accounts of nursing and medicine and nurses' stories? What does that add to the conversation? Because there are a lot of nurse writers out there now. And what do you hope nurses might walk away from this book experience how, what would they take away? I would hope that they would take away that nurses from the very beginning, their strongest role is as a patient advocate, that they are there to, to make sure that the patient, or in the case of nursing facilities resident, get the very best care possible. I, I, think, I don't think that's changed. Uh, you know, the role has changed. Um, in many ways, the, the role of the nurse has changed in the sense that we, as you say, we are practitioners now, not handmaidens any longer. But we have, we have always had that role of patient advocate, that role of the person who is most central to seeing that the patient gets the best quality care possible. That's very true. Very true. Now, in terms of your book itself... What kind of reactions have you gotten? I mean, I know what my reaction was because I wrote a blog post about it. But what did nurses and nurse leaders and others say about this book and the story that you present to the world through it? I have had such wonderful feedback. I really have. It's, it's, it's actually, it's humbling to me to hear the comments I have heard from nurses who are my age who read the book and said, you, you nailed it. You described perfectly. I remember totally working as a nurse during, through that time frame. And I've had messages from student nurses. I did get a, a, an email from a nurse who, a student, a nurse who had just graduated and she was from England. And I'm not sure how she managed to, um, you know, log on and see the book but she had read the book and, and she said it was very inspiring and it made her embrace being a nurse even more. Um, I did a, a book signing at one of the local libraries here in Florida and I described my book and a woman listened and she said, oh, I'm a nurse and she left. And a day and a half later, I went on Amazon to check the reviews and she said she couldn't stop reading. She had read the entire book and it was so inspiring. So those things really touch my heart to think that I'm providing something that nurses are enjoying. And hope I like to think that maybe uh, someone who's not a nurse will read it and consider nursing as a pro profession. Absolutely. Or it might also just impact the way they think about nurses and nursing in general. Exactly. Right. Exactly. And they, they may look at a nurse when they encounter one, say, at the hospital or at the doctor's office or the nursing home look at them in a different way and see them through the eyes of or through the lens of having read this book and seen what Kate's experience was. E even though her experience is a 20th century experience, not a 21st century, it still has a lot of universality to it. And I think that's one of the wonderful things about it. 
And we're going to talk a little bit more, but I wanted to mention to our listeners that you can go to emeraldstonepress.com. That's emeraldstonepress.com to read all about Bellhaven and Margaret Hawk. You can order um, you can order a copy of the book through Amazon uh, paperback, and you can also get a Kindle version. And you can meet uh, Margaret on the website, see her lovely picture, read a little bit about where she might be doing a reading or a presentation and you can also read a couple excerpts from the book that'll help you understand it more and kind of get a sense of the flavor of the story now margaret in your bio i mentioned that you're now working on another book that you're hoping yes. to be a mystery series and the protagonist apparently is a travel nurse do you want to tell us something about that Yes, uh, when I was writing for the nursing spectrum, I had written a, a, an article called Have License, Will Travel, and I, it has been used more than once um, in later years to kind of co-written with, with nurse writers later. And I was always intrigued by the concept of travel nursing. So I decide, decided that that's what I would like to do. And I would like it to be a series. So this, the first... Uh, book will be deal with a nurse who actually does go and work in a continuing care community. That's kind of her proving ground. What she really wanted, she wanted to go to Italy or France. But when she, after she signed the contract, she was told the first assignment always had to be in the United States. And it was always an assignment very different. She had been an ICU nurse and she, she dreamt of going to Italy or France. And instead she finds she's in this community unlike anything that she ever expected. Uh, however, um, one of the clients does, she believes one of the clients has been murdered. And, to, and so she goes about proving that this crime occurred. And so that's the beginning of the story. I have about five chapters done so far. Oh, that's wonderful. Uh, sounds exciting. And, you know, there's lots of great mystery writers out there, Tony Hellerman, Agatha Christie, et cetera, et cetera, and a lot of the other contemporary writers. And I'm sure none of them have a protagonist who's a travel nurse. I haven't seen any, so I'm, I, I think it's an original. I think it's very original, and I, I think <laughs> it could really be a wonderful series. And who knows, you know, you might get optioned by uh, HBO for a series or something. And oh, that would, be, that would be wonderful, Keith. I, I've had several people uh, say to me what my neighbor next door, her daughter came from Germany and she read my book and she said, I think this should be a Hallmark movie. So wouldn't it be nice if uh, either that or my next book was, was picked up by someone who would do it on HBO or somewhere? <laughs> that would be sure. wonderful. Well, Absolutely. Yes. I mean, we have Nurse Jackie on um, HBO, or is it Showtime? I can't remember. So we have Nurse Jackie, who's this, you know, nurse who we follow her through many years of her life and her adventures and struggles. And it would be really interesting to have a a nurse who's sort of like a a detective, you know, who's yes, really well. That yeah, that's what she is. She she loves mystery, and mm -hmm. she's a she's a devotee of all of the Dragnet reruns and all of the shows that are on television currently that deal deal with mystery. So she's absolutely she kind of has this great desire to be a sleuth, and now she's put in this situation where she believes a, a crime has been committed, and she's going to solve it. Right. And of course, I'm already planning the next book 
will be set somewhere like Italy or France. And I, of course, will have to go there. Oh, gosh, I'm so sorry. But maybe you, <laughs> you and your husband can drag one another to Italy or France to, yes, to do some yes. research. I know it's I know it's rough, but you yes. know, somebody's Somebody got to do it, right? It. Exactly. Yeah. Someone has to. Well, I really hope you get a chance to do that. And it would be our delight to have you back on the show when those books start to come out. And I hope it's a real incredible success. Thank you. Thank yeah. you so much. So we'd love for you to keep in touch with us to let us know what's happening and what you're working on. And I want our listeners again to know that they can go to emeraldstonepress.com and you can read all about Margaret there. And you can also find her blog there. Just click on Write On Reflections and you'll be able to read her blog. And if you want to get in touch with her, I'm sure you can contact her through the website, through the contact button. And Margaret, you are on Twitter, are you not? Yes, I am. Yes, and I believe you are at Margaret Hawk. And it's yes. Margaret, M-A-R-G-A-R-E-T-H-A-W-K-E. So it's Hawk with an E at the end. Yes. And we encourage all of our listeners to follow Margaret over on Twitter. You can also find her on Facebook. And go to Emerald Stone Press and read an excerpt of, uh, of Bellhaven, her novel that I really loved. And you can go back on Digital Doorway and read my review of it back from May of 2014. So, Margaret, I know you just moved to Florida. How is it moving down the East Coast from your beloved New Jersey to Florida? Well, it, 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 it is good to be here. We uh, have been coming to Florida. Mostly we came during the winter months and stayed here. So we're in the community that we've been coming to for seven years. We are island people. We lived on an island in New Jersey, and this is also an island in Florida. So we're very close to the ocean. And we usually go and check and make sure it's there every day. We want to well. make sure that <laughs> that ocean <laughs> is still there. And, and uh, so it, it is good. It's good to be settled in one place because we did do that traveling back and forth for a number of years. Right, right. Well, I hope to come see you down there sometimes. I don't make it down to the southeast very often. I now live in the high desert of New Mexico. So please say hello to the ocean for me. Tell I the, will. I tell will. the ocean that I'm still here and that I want to see <laughs> it sometime. <laughs> okay, I will. I'll, I will definitely tell the ocean. Okay. Well, Margaret Hawk, thank you very much. It's been a delight, and we definitely hope to have you back when your next book is finished and when you're featured on HBO, so it'll only be a matter of time. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Keith. This has been such an enjoyable pleasure for me to talk to you. Thank you so much. Well, we wanted to thank you today for tuning in to Margaret Hawk, author of Bellhaven. We hope that you in some way have felt uplifted, motivated, and ready for something that moves the needle for you. Innovate and create, find passion in your life and your career each and every day, and of course, care for yourself while caring for others, and we look forward to having you tune back in here with us again on RNFM Radio.